I want to start uh, the same place I started last week, and that's uh, reminding you of the words from uh, the 1970s song by Andre Crouch, My Tribute. <clears throat> and again, it starts, how can I say thanks for the things you've done for me? Things so undeserved, yet you gave to prove your love for me. <clears throat> the voices of a million angels could not express my gratitude. All that I am and ever hope to be, I would all to thee. <clears throat> And I want to continue, this title is Here Am I, Send Me, but I want you to continue to be asking that question that we put out there last week, and that is, how can I say thanks? Because the options are limitless, and it's imperative that we understand that and we look to embrace that and become people who consistently live thankful lives. Uh, Just a couple of quick uh comments on a couple of ways that we can say thanks in kind of a general setting. And again, I didn't want to try to fit a whole sermon in, in addition to allowing time for Cheryl to represent or to acknowledge the the volunteers. Uh, So this is going to be some consolidated thoughts. But as we think about how you can say thanks, how I can say thanks, for all that he has done for us, one of the simplest ways, and perhaps most obvious, is expressing our thankfulness for those who serve and expressing our thankfulness to those who serve. You understand? Thankful for them and thankful to them. And again, I've said before, maybe even last week, I can be a half-empty kind of guy. You know, the glass is half-empty. Some of you are half-full. And when it comes to expressing thankfulness or gratitude or saying thanks, we can kind of be divided in a similar fashion. Some folks are very, very naturally inclined to notice when things go right. Other folks are much more inclined to notice when things don't go right. All right? Can we just nod our heads and acknowledge that? Personally, I don't think it's a 50-50 split. I think it's much more natural for us to take for granted when things go right and to notice when things don't go right. Let me just illustrate. We got the guys back in the sound booth. All right, turn and look at the guys in the sound booth. All right, everybody look. All right, they're all paying attention. I checked before I told you to do that. Nobody was napping. Um, But seriously... When was the last time in the middle of service you turned around and looked at the sound booth because the music and the mix was just perfect? When was the last time you turned and looked at the sound booth because the slides were changed at just the right moment? But when the slides are not consistent with what's being said here, what's our natural inclination? Right? Huh? When there is feedback, we have one of two responses. Plug our ears or look at Steve and say, what did he do wrong? Right? Okay, and, and that's just a very, very simple, benign illustration. But it does speak to our nature. When things go right because they're supposed to go right, we don't say a word. But when things are not right, we speak up. If we have been called, commanded by Scripture to give thanks in all circumstances, should that not be reversed in our lives? Should it not be our first response to celebrate and to say thanks when things are perfect? 
when things are good instead of when things are not. Matthew chapter 10, verse 8 simply says, Freely you have received, freely give. And this is always awkward for me, and I may have mentioned it back on October 31st when you did pastor appreciation. You guys do such a phenomenal job of expressing thanks and thankfulness to Diane and I for what we have the privilege of doing in serving you. Uh, you're just over the top consistently on a special occasions, but random notes out of the middle of nowhere show up and express that. And we're self-conscious with that because we know how important everybody is to make this happen. And just think about all of the different people who serve in order for a local church to exist. Not just our church, but any church. Just think about it. Again, by show of hands, when was the last time you sought out a member of our counting team and said thanks? By show of hands, how many of you knew we even had a counting team? If you're not on it. Okay, some of you know that. But, but, but again, it's one of those things. That's one of those things we do. Why do we have a counting team? And they, and again, thank their spouses because they're the ones sit out in the lobby waiting for them to get done so they can go get lunch. But anyway, um, patiently, I might add. Okay. But, but just think, I mean, we choose to do that because we've gone 40 years in our church, and there has never, to my knowledge, been anyone who suggested there were financial indiscretions in our ministry. And a part of that is because we take steps like having a counting team, having two people count, having all of this stuff in place to provide checks and balances, and those are people who, Kathleen mentioned worship team coming early, that's awesome. I think about counting team staying late. To get it done, somebody takes it to the bank, deposits it, so we're not at risk of something getting stolen. All of these types of things in place, but may not even occur to us to say, wow, thanks. Uh, again, we love uh, having children's ministry volunteers. Again, when was the last time we intentionally, or you intentionally, sought out someone who served down the hall and said, Thanks for doing what you do, especially if you don't have kids who serve down there. Again, I think about everything along those lines, from church maintenance to to classrooms, everything. We have lots of folks doing lots of stuff, and one of the ways is for us to, A, be thankful for them. Uh, I know I saw them with the church profile booklets. You know, look through that. And see who's doing what. We've talked about praying for our search committee. I hope you are praying for your search committee. I also encourage you to thank them for their service. The LBA, local board administration, you know, again, you're probably thankful when you like the decisions we make and not so thankful when we make decisions you don't agree with. But these are people who take on the mantle of leadership and go above and beyond and take ownership and responsibility of the good and this tough stuff of leading a church. And so again, I simply want to say over and over and over again, and it, the repetition is intentional, but how do you say thanks for those things? And how often? And are you intentional about it? And then let's expand on that and think about 
all of the others who serve us over the course of the week. Many of you have heard me in one of my grumpy moments lamenting the loss of civility that seems to have taken place in our country over the last couple of years. People can be just plain nasty, and it seems like it happens with increasing frequency. So how much more is it our responsibility to be ambassadors of thankfulness? I've always considered myself, if I, when I've had the means, to be a fairly generous tipper. Can I just say, this is not to elevate me, but knowing what I see servers deal with now, I'm, I mean, I won't go percentage wise, but it's significantly more than it used to be when I have a server who's doing a good job and when I have a server who's clearly got up on the grumpy train that day, all right? I just think we're surrounded by people who need to have us express that and we need to be strategic and intentional and it is an incredible opportunity for us to be light in the darkness when we are intentional about saying thank you and we are living like we are thankful the other general heading I would put is in addition to expressing our thankfulness for those who serve and to those who serve The other is, how can I say thanks? Serving because we are thankful. Now, there are a lot of motivations for serving. Sometimes it's an area of passion. Sometimes it's an area of interest. Sometimes it's because there's a need and nobody else is doing it. But I would have us think about adding the motivation of, because of all that's been done for me, I want to give something back. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 puts it this way. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. If the very Son of God saw it as his mission to serve, then it makes perfect sense to me that one of the ways I say thank you for what he has done in my life and continues to do in my life is by serving. <clears throat> the, the passage up there repre- references one of, one of my favorite passages, and I look at it from a variety of different pers- perspectives and for different reasons. But it's Isaiah chapter 6, starting with verse 1. <clears throat> In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And again, I, I just love this imagery, and I've used it as it relates to worship, and it, it just stirs my heart as I think about that. But again, Uzziah says, in the year, excuse me, Isaiah says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, and the whole earth is full of his glory. And I just think of that imagery, I think of that moment. And verse 4 says, at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Now just use your imagination. Being in that environment, 
the walls literally shaking because the presence of God is so powerful. Isaiah's response in verse 5, Woe to me, I cried, I'm ruined, for a man of, I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs, in other words, I, I don't deserve to be here. I, I'm just not worthy. Verse 6, Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. And then verse 9 says, Go and tell this people. As I said, a lot of times I look at that and I just think about the power and and those moments of worship that are life-changing. But today I want us to look at it from a slightly different perspective. And to me, that moment of the angel coming with a coal from the altar and cleansing, transforming his life, and his response is when he's confronted with a need in that transformed state is, here am I, send me. To me, If we have been transformed by the redeeming power of the blood of Jesus Christ, then one of the ways we say thanks is, here am I, send me. Now, if you continue to read on in chapter 9, or excuse me, verse 9 as it goes forward, he was saying, here am I, send me to go do a job nobody should want to do. He was being called. He was accepting a calling. He was saying, here am I, send me. He was volunteering. He was expressing his thankfulness by saying, I will go do the hard stuff. I will go take a message that the people desperately need to hear, but they so don't want to hear. Here am I, send me. Can I suggest to you, that one of the ways we say thanks consistently is by living with a here am I, send me lifestyle. Doesn't mean every one of us has to say here am I, send me with every situation and in every area of need. But to me it does suggest one of the ways I say thanks is by consistently living that sent life of service. And Cheryl touched on it a little bit. I'm speaking of what I would call intentional service. Those areas where there's a specific situation and you say, here am I, send me, I will take on that role. But I'm also talking about what I would call spontaneous service. Now, some of you are on the cleaning team. Woohoo! All right, can I just say that? All right. Some of you are on the cleaning team. All right. Some of you are not. Don't feel bad about yourselves. All right. That's not what this is about. Whether you're on the cleaning team or you're not, whether you've been on the cleaning team and you're not anymore, whether you never planned to be on the cleaning team, you can serve the cleaning team, you can serve the church if you just pick something up off the floor rather than step over it. 
Okay, it, it doesn't have to be a, a specific organized ministry for us to serve. There is spontaneous service that is, is equally beneficial to the body as the strategic, organized, intentional service. Can you just imagine if that was all of our perspectives with everything that needed to be done? Yes, there are people who sign up, who receive a lesson, who who teach our young people, or who stay after church and teach our youth. But every one of us, by how we relate to the children in our church, can show our children and our teens what it means to be a person who loves and follows Jesus. Can I simply say, and this is to pick on those who are listening but aren't in the room or aren't in the building, just showing up is a blessing to the body and one of the ways in which we say thank you and one of the ways in which we serve the body as a whole. I've never been one who says you need to be in church every time the doors are open. But I will say, if you're never inside the doors when the doors are open, the church won't be here. It's just that simple. When we have done financial promotions, and we've encouraged people to give above and beyond, we have never said, I don't think, to my knowledge, we have never said, you all need to give a certain amount. But we have consistently used the phrase, equal sacrifice. And I would say that applies to service. You don't all, we don't all need to do everything. But the more of us who do something, the stronger the body is. And that's a way, in keeping with the theme for today, that's a way for all of us to say thanks to God for what he has done for us. It is also a way for us to say thank you to the others. You know, when I stand up here to bring the word of God to you, I see it as a way of thanking those who preached to me and who modeled what it meant to be a pastor to me. One of them's gone. I can't literally, can't say in bodily face-to-face form, thank you anymore. But I think the way I strive to serve is in part to honor that legacy and his investment in me. And so I would hope that all of us would wrestle, and it'll look different, but I would hope that all of us would wrestle a little bit with, am I living a here am I, send me lifestyle? And I'm not just talking about serving caring community. I'm talking about serving the kingdom by how we relate everywhere we go. Some of you may be more heavily invested here. Some of you may be making the greatest impact for the kingdom in your workplace or in your neighborhood or in your extended family. But I think we all need to be mindful of saying thank you by living a lifestyle of here am I, send me, making a difference for the kingdom. Because if we've been changed, if we have been transformed, then like Isaiah, we need to be ready to say, I'm willing. I'm willing to be a difference maker. And that's one of the ways we can say thanks. Would you pray with me?
Father, again, I, I just love that imagery of Isaiah. And, and I love how you used that many, many years ago to stir my heart to become more of a worshiper. But I also thank you for the way it challenges me to make sure that I am a man, I am a follower of Christ, who's willing to say, here am I, send me. In the areas that are comfortable and convenient, and sometimes it's in the areas that are just not comfortable at all, but they need to be done. And Father, I pray again that you would help us to apply that as it relates to this specific body of believers. But perhaps more importantly, I pray that you'd help us to apply that to everything we do in every context of our lives. I thank you, Jesus. Amen.